Well, hello, everybody, especially those of you uh, online. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone with me, everyone, wherever you are. If you're with people you love, wonderful. If you're with your mortal enemies at work, watching on your phone, it's awesome, too. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I think we need to hear it over and over. Merry Christmas. Uh, you might be wondering, uh, what's, what's the stick for? Well, I don't know. No, I, I do. I do have a reason for it, actually. Uh, no. So... I want to talk to you about the Christmas story. Doing so, I need to tell you a story about my son, Titus. Uh, so, so Titus is our kid that if it's fun, it's what should be done. Always, forever. He's, he's got a battery that never, never goes out. It, we, we always have to tell him it's time for bed, and it's always like, you just stole all of my joy. That's, that's Titus. You need to know about that. With Titus. So, so Titus had a birthday party he was supposed to go to. It, it wasn't his, it, and, and it was at a place called Flags and Wheels. If you don't know what Flags and Wheels is, uh, tons of cool stuff, but most specifically, there are uh, go-karts and, and laser tag and, and a lot of other stuff. My son in particular, my, my seven-year-old son, was super stoked. I did not know this, but stoked about the go-karts. So uh, I dropped him off at the birthday party. We parents love birthday parties. So I, I had some errands to run uh, while he was able to play and have fun at the birthday party. And, and uh, so I went, ran the errands, came back, and uh, I was trying to figure out, I, I bet I know where I'm going to find him in this big facility, right? I, mean, I, know, I know where he's going to be, probably at the go-karts. So I had been there enough, and I knew where to go. So I walked over to the go-karts, and I'm expecting to see like my son having the time of his life, like, like he had finally met what his version of heaven would be like. It's not, not what I saw. Uh, in fact, um, Titus was there, but he looked like all joy was gone. Like there was like verge, verge of like tears, not a tantrum, like broken heart, Titus. So I walk over to him, and I'm like, what's up? And, and, and then the mom, uh, who was keeping them all safe, came and talked to me. And she's like, hey, would you, would you mind, would you mind riding, driving the cart with your son? I clicked. Wait a minute. Titus wasn't tall enough. So this is it, just so you know. 52 inches, it's measured perfectly. I did it. If you... Apparently, when I drive the go-karts, I'm not arguing right now. I'm just saying, if you want to, you got to be at this line or higher, right? Many of you, you've done carnival rides. You've risked your life to do that. And, and you, you might have saw a person there with some sort of a stick going, hey, you got to be this height. Once, once we graduate to the right height, you never think about it anymore. You're done. You're like, I am now in an amazing life, amazing world. But, but here, I, the reason I, I show you this, I think... Uh, I think we all know that it's easy to feel rejected no matter what your line is, right? Like maybe someone told you at some point in your life, uh, you, you weren't maybe tall enough, maybe, um, good looking enough, uh, old enough, uh, young enough, uh, a lot of the enoughs. You, you weren't educated enough, experienced enough, or sometimes some people just say, no, you're just flat out not enough in any of the ways whatsoever. Most of us... Most of us know, uh, even metaphorically, what it's like to not make the line. 
I see in Titus have his heart broken. I actually, as a grown-up man, resonated with I was like, I know how you feel, buddy. I know how you feel. And, and if you want, yeah, yes, yes, I did get in the go-kart and we drove and uh, we did awesome and someone wrecked us and that's how that went. <laughs> I tell you that on purpose because this, this story, the Christmas story, I think the Christmas story has a portion of it with the target that's all about what I just told you. If you've ever felt like you didn't measure up for some sort of a reason, whatever it is, whatever someone told you, whatever you experienced, whatever you went through, and you felt like I'm not enough, whatever, then the Christmas story, I think a target of it is to encourage you in this, that you don't have to think that way, no matter what anyone said. I want to read this to you. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, this is a big deal. I know we've read it. I know we know the shepherds are in the nativity scene, and we get that. But you need to know something about the shepherds if you've never been taught this. They were extremely familiar with rejection. The shepherds, oh, they had stronger, worse, more toxic stories than you and I actually have. So if you were a shepherd, if that was your gig, uh, just to give you one thing, uh, most of us have read about in the Christmas story that there's a, there's a census going on. Mary and Joseph are going to Bethlehem because of the census. The Romans are like, we're going to count some people. So they start counting people. Well, if you don't know your history, everyone got counted except for the shepherds. They literally did not count. If you were a shepherd, it's like, why are you showing up? Go back to the fields. If, if anything was ever stolen, just around your neighborhood, first thought, are there any shepherds living in this area? First thought. Shepherds, uh, shepherds weren't even allowed to, to go to the synagogue or to go to worship. Like you're, but where did they go? They didn't have a place to go. The reason they didn't have a place to go is their job, what they did for a living, was seen as unclean. So the religious leaders, yeah, people like me, uh, told them, you're not welcome to even come to the synagogue. You want to talk about a group of people who were super familiar with being told, you do not measure up the shepherds. I think personally... It's very easy to feel rejected, especially nowadays with the internet where people can say things and then back out of that whole thing without any consequence. People can text stuff, say stuff, and then back off and sometimes even lie and say, well, I didn't even mean that. Many of us know what it feels like to be rejected, to be told that you simply do not measure up, yet we have this Christmas story that's like oozing the opposite, but we don't feel that. Do you know why? I'm going to give you a blanket answer at the beginning. Um, the devil. Uh, I know you're like, uh, I know, I know. Uh, but actually, uh, it, it's true. Revelation chapter 12, listen to this description of the devil or Satan, however you call him. Revelation 12.10, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. For the accuser. Just for a second, think about one of the nicknames of the devil, the evil guy that you and I do not like. Just think about one of his nicknames is the accuser. 
Welcome to what shame and regret and pain do to us. We begin to buy these accusations and we begin to go, maybe that's true or partially true. Or even if you say, no, I don't think it's true, you feel like it's true. But there's a Christmas story. I want you to learn something. You know this, but it's a, it's a tactic I teach the kids. Constant accusations make it easy to under, underestimate God's love. Constant accusations, constant accusations. If you ever had a sibling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Constant accusations. Someone constantly going after you, constantly saying, this is that, this is, you are that. Constant accusations begin to make you dwell on the accusations. This is human nature. Dwell on the accusations. You begin to say, that's all I think about, even though you don't believe them, but that's all you think about. Constant accusations make you start to underestimate what God's love can actually do in your life. What God actually thinks about you. Because you got someone else feeding you this junk. So that's the bad part. All of a sudden, what happens with the shepherds changes. Their understanding of love changes. In fact, I, I would tell you that that I think the shepherds never anticipated that they would be encountered by the angels that I read to you about. I don't think that in their dreams, I mean, they would have known the prophecies. They would have known about the Messiah, the Savior. They would have hoped for the same thing, but I'm not sure that they were convinced that the Savior, whenever he would come and actually come for them, and, and especially that they would get the news, no. However, they're the first ones to get it. So let's go to the good part. Luke chapter 2 10 through 11, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Wow, I bring you good news. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Don't forget who he's talking to. To these folks who were so accustomed to rejection, to no self-esteem, no privilege, no opportunity. Just watch the sheep and shut up. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You have to wrestle with this part of the story. Because no matter what you think about yourself, no matter how spiritual you think you might be or not spiritual or how much you don't know about the Bible, if you think of yourself somewhere down here for anything regarding God, what just happened is extremely significant because God's like, who do I tell first? Who's the group of people, you know, other than Mary and Joseph who really need to know like ASAP, but who are the people who aren't really related? Who do they who, who do I tell? Think of who you would tell, right? God Almighty picks the people who are extremely familiar with feeling like they live here. It's beautiful. And you should let it sink into your heart. So using this, God doesn't think you're too short to love. God doesn't think that you are so inadequate or, or so whatever you want to feel, whatever your experiences are, whatever your knowledge is, no matter how good you feel about yourself or not, God doesn't say, yeah, I can't, I can't fix that. You got to come up here. And once you come up here, well then, well then, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll love you then. 
Not according to the Christmas story. Not according to the Christmas story. So I'm going to take you out of the Christmas story for a second. Because I want to prove to you that I'm not just trying to be positive with you. Romans chapter 5. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Sometimes when we read the Bible, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you're like, some words there that I don't normally read. What are you saying? Well, it made me think about a story I'd heard a long time ago. I had a teacher in uh, high school that uh, at the end of every class would play on the radio. We, yeah, there was the radio. People listened to it then. Uh, there was the radio, and it was, it was perfectly timed. A guy named Paul Harvey, and that's how we knew class was over. Now, we were excited about class to be over. But I'll never forget a story that one time Paul Harvey read. And uh, he doesn't know where it came from. I, I, I researched, but I want to tell you the story that he told that might help you understand exactly what God did with Christmas. So the way he tells the story, there's this guy, and the family is, is actually gearing up to go to a Christmas Eve midnight service, right? So they, they're gearing up, going, going, and everyone's planning on it. The dad, the, the husband, uh, he's a good guy, good dude, doing good stuff, but, but he decides he's not going to go with the family to the Christmas service. The reason he pulls his wife to the side and says, hey, I, I love you. Um, I'm not mad at you. This is how you have to talk when you're married. Uh, I'm not mad at you. But, but, but listen, listen, I, I just don't want to go to church. I feel like a hypocrite if I go because I'm not sure I line up with everything that they talk about, especially, especially the idea that God came to earth. That just, it didn't resonate with him. So he, he tells her, I'm, I'm not going to go, but, but I'll, I'll wait up. I'll wait up for when you guys get back. Remember, it's a midnight service. So everyone's okay, okay. So they go off. It's snowing. It's like the picturesque Christmas Eve. And uh, he goes inside. The snow had actually started falling enough that, that he went to this window to just kind of watch it. It's now quiet. Uh, I don't know if his home was normally quiet, but he finds himself quiet home, looking out the window, just mesmerized by the thick snow dropping down. Looks absolutely beautiful. Then he goes to his chair. A lot of us have our chairs. He goes to his chair next to the fireplace, picks up a book, starts to read the book to just enjoy the night. All of a sudden, there's a thump. Sparks his interest. Then all of a sudden, there's another thump. It, it seems as though someone is throwing snowballs at his big giant window that he'd been looking at. And it's at first stoked like, hey, 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 I'm going to go find these kids. He goes to the front door, opens up the front door, looks out, thinking he's going to find kids that he can yell at. It's not what he sees. The snow is dropping down in thick, and he sees a flock of birds. And they have been one by one trying to get into the house through the big giant window, not realizing it's glass and that's not how glass works. 
And he watches this and is a bit traumatized in the moment, going, this is not good. He's not thinking about his window. He's thinking about the birds. And he's like, I got to do something. So he, he runs back in the house, puts a coat on, boots on, goes back out, and he's like, they've got a barn. If he goes and opens the barn, opens it up, and the birds will see obvious, oh, that's a place to fly into that'll work. So he runs over to the barn, opens up the doors, turns the light on, thinking he's done it, and they don't do anything. They're shivering, still kind of balled up, and, and something has to happen. He's, the way his story goes, he thinks about food, right? We're all enticed by food, and so he goes and gets some breadcrumbs and actually creates a trail from where they were all the way to the barn. They're going to eat the bread, go to the barn, close the door. They're warm. He's a hero. Can't wait to tell the family when they get home. The birds don't even touch it. I mean, the snow is coming down. Well, he starts to get frustrated. He sees them flapping around. Potentially, some of them are going to die. And, and he's frustrated because anytime he goes close, they freak out. That's what animals do typically. They, they scatter from him. They don't scatter where they need. They just scatter. And he's, he's frustrated because he's like, I'm going to go try to grab some. Literally, he tries to go grab some of the birds. He, he can't catch them. Uh, he tries to shoo them like, okay, the barn, you, you see it? Like they understand anything he's saying. Go. And, no. And he's so frustrated. He's thinking like, if I could just like talk their language, if I could just, if, if I could be one of them, right? If I, if I could be a bird right now and talk to them and say, hey, everybody, now that you see that I'm a bird and I can talk your language, we all need to go to the barn right now. <laughs> and he's, I mean, when you get frustrated, you think some crazy stuff. So he's sitting there going, frustrated that he can't help them, but also having these thoughts, like if I was just one of them, I could help them, I could get them the safety, I could get them the warmth. And, and, and then it hit him. The story says that at that moment, it's when the church bells rang. And it clicked in his head. Be one of them. And help them get to where they need to go. And the way Paul Harvey tells the story, the guy drops to his knees and thinks, I wonder if that's what Jesus did on Christmas. Became one of us because we wouldn't have gone where we needed to go had he not intervened in our lives. The way I would say it, uh, God took on limits. <laughs> to prove his love, that prove his love. He took on limits, you and I. I mean, it's like a man becoming a bird. You would say, I think that's a, I don't know if I'd want to do that permanently. Well, then transfer that same amazing story to God becoming one of us and saying, I want to help you, not create a religion for you. Revelation chapter one. I know you're like, Revelation? We're going there for Christmas? Uh, if you don't know, the book of Revelation has a lot of stuff. It's pretty intense, but it starts off with some words written to some churches, and, and I think they help you understand, help me understand what's going on. Revelation 1.5, he is the faithful witness to these things, 
the first to rise from the dead. Listen to this. And the ruler of all the kings of the world. It's talking about Jesus. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. That, what I just read to you, described Jesus as this king, this ruler. And if you're not plugging in like this, almighty, big, amazing everything. And Christmas, whatever you see it as, I mean, I grew up, presents, food, songs, go to church, dress up, whatever you want. But I think what you need to hear is, what do I get out of Christmas? What are we supposed to get? I think what the shepherds got. You are not rejected. You are loved. It seems basic at first, the idea that, oh, of course God loves me. Of course God loves me. That's his job. That's his gig. He doesn't have to, but he does. I want you to have this visual. I really do. I hope, I hope as oddly as you might think this would be, that Christmas would be like, hey, hey, God dropped below the line for me. The king of all kings. The ruler of all, the ultimate, the one who could have just stayed in heaven because I think heaven's supposed to be amazing. He drops down. I pray this for you, that this Christmas would be a reminder that this year may have not been all that you wanted it to be or felt like all that you dreamt it would be, but, but no matter where you come from, no matter what you think about life, no matter how you see yourself, no matter, frankly, what you choose to do, listen to me very closely, no matter what you ever do, God still loves you. God loves you. You need to hear that. I need to hear that. God loves you so much. There's a prayer I wrote that I wondered if it would help you. And uh, let me read it to you. God, I accept I can't earn your love. <laughs> but I accept your choice to love me. I believe Jesus was born because of love for me. Lord, I accept your love. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Lead me for the rest of my life. I follow you. I love you. Amen. You might have different words you want to put there. But I wanted to give you something, that perhaps a template to say, what do I talk to God about over Christmas this year? Do I believe that following God is just a one-time decision and you never have to think about it again? No. <laughs> No relationship functions that way. But I do think they start somewhere. And I want to encourage you to start it. So would you do this? Let's pray together. Would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you've never just accepted the love of God into your life, if you've never literally welcomed him in and, and you want to, uh, there, again, no magic words, but with your heads bowed just so you can focus and dwell in on this, perhaps you would be willing to... Uh, to talk to God. He'll heal you, I promise you. <laughs> you can pray this even silently in what we would call in our heads. <laughs> pray something that just confesses to him that you accept his love and that you love him back. In fact, uh, right now, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, let, let me help. Uh, you just pray this wherever you are silently in your head or out loud, whatever you want to do. God, I love you and I accept your love. Would you forgive my sins and come into my life and lead my life? Thank you for 
coming to meet me below the line. I'm grateful for that, God, and I choose to follow you now. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, let, me, let me talk to you, for those of you uh, online or watching on TV, again, I told you, I, I don't think this is just like, yeah, I prayed that prayer, so I guess I just waited out. No, I think you live this life and you need help, you need encouragement. So there's a, there's a number you can text right now, and you can text the name Jesus, and you can just text Jesus to that number, and what we're going to do is we'll, we'll be able to connect with you and encourage you and walk with you as much as you want and learn all about God, and, and I think you need it, and we all need it. So I encourage you to be a part of that if you can do that. For those who are at one of our physical locations, I want you to take a step. And I know you're like, but I wanted a text. No. Nope. Uh, that, that king of kings thing, I think, is a big deal. When a king loves you, it should do something to you. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Is there were cards on your seats. And uh, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to give you a physical action that then we can, we can actually begin to encourage you from this day after, just continually encourage you in your walk with God. It's what we want to do. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Uh, here in a moment, I'm literally going to count down. That's how this works. And, uh, and you're going to bring that card, and you can come up and, and get a crown. And, uh, and I want you to hang that crown up. Just signify, you know what? This King of Kings, he loves me. And I'm going to live that out this Christmas and beyond. So uh, I'm going to turn the service over to you, actually. I know that might scare some of us. But I'm going to count down, and then it's your turn to respond as God has led you. So here we go. Three, two, one. It's yours now. <laughs> 